Beware of missing foot. Hello and welcome to the China Podcast. Thank you to everyone who listened to our last episode on social contracts. Uh, it was a highly enjoyable one for us to make and one that gave each of us a, I think it's fair to say, own a fresh yeah. perspective into how society here functions. Absolutely, yeah. You know, Absolutely. because after all, this is a country so steeped in history and societal upheaval and change that, you know, it can be hard for even the most dedicated scholar of, of Chinese studies, for example, to, to wrap their, wrap head, their, head, yeah, wrap yeah, their yeah. head around everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the thing is, um, I was talking to a couple of Chinese friends um, about the whole concept of um, social contracts over the last little while. And most of them, just they Chinese people take those things as granted for granted. They just that is the social contract and they're aware of it yeah and that's how they can conduct their lives but as a foreigner you just don't know you just don't know what what's expected of people in china you don't know what the deal is between the government and the people Mm -hmm. you know so it is it is nice to kind of bring it out and put it in front of people you know oh no definitely yeah Yeah. um so yeah okay this week uh, we plan to chat about everyday theatrics in china yeah. Uh, be that the performative aspects of governance or hairstylists dancing for their boss outside the salon yeah, yeah. first thing in the morning. Yeah. Now, before we get to that, there was a disturbing and it was downright disgusting, this incident that occurred in the city of Tangshan in Hebei province. Um, it was on the early hours of June the 10th and it involved a gang of men brutally beating up a number of women, both inside and outside a barbecue restaurant. The majority of this was captured on CCTV and the video footage of the assaults, it went viral on on social media and the aftermath there afterwards. Um, And this is something that we feel we need to address because there are a number of takeaways from the incident that, have got the nation talking including the role of women in society their safety safety in china in general the hesitancy of bystanders to get involved as well as the performative element of governance in the immediate aftermath which we want to try to tie into today's main topic of conversation yeah it's it's difficult to keep a level head when talking about this one um, if you've seen the video, and chances are everyone in China by now has seen it, mm. uh, it's it's such a horribly vile watch. It's it's absolutely absolutely disgusting. Yeah. It is stomach turning. Yeah, it's depressing as well. Yeah. Oh, it's hard just to it's, think about it afterwards. Yeah. It, it, is it, to comprehend mm. what you're witnessing? Yeah. is is just difficult. Yeah, and you know. All those words that we just used to describe it, they all feel like an understatement. Um, but these guys who who carried out the assault, scum of the earth, absolute low lives. Yeah, and high on testosterone. Yeah, with a thug mentality. Um, but yeah, as you said, it's a late night barbecue restaurant and this one guy, he approaches a table of women who are eating away, minding their own business. Mm-hmm. And he proceeds to grope one of them. Yeah. 
um, she reacts by pushing his arm away. Well, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be fair here. I'm gonna I'm gonna be fair to the guy, and, I, and he doesn't deserve it. But Grope is a bit harsh. He did. He he felt her back. Yeah. Well, you know, is that a grope? It's a, it's an unwanted unwanted touching. Definitely. You it's not something mean? he should do. It's not something he should do today. Yeah, it's not something he should do. But like to say the word "grope" is kind of like you you assume that he he grabbed a sexual organ or something like that. He didn't. He rubbed her back. Mm. Right. He rubbed her back. Right. Um. Now what he did afterwards is completely unwarranted. You know. Yeah, I I, I would still go as far as using the word "grope." Yeah. Well, it's like. Yeah. You know, because of how she reacted. Because of how she reacted, yeah. Of course, and probably what he said at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we know some of the stuff that he said, yeah. Um, but yeah, she, she reacts by, by pushing his arm away. Yeah. And this is when things turn nasty, because this scumbag, he then hits her in the face. Um, a scuffle breaks out. Her companions and one or two others nearby, they try to intervene. Uh, but they are almost immediately overwhelmed by this guy's entourage who they, they come in from outside They because they were eating outside at, yeah. at, a, at a very very large table, um, large group of them. Um, they come in, they rush in, they push everyone else away. One guy, he's, he can be seen firing a chair at this couple who, who are then knocked to the ground. Um, and then they drag this innocent woman outside by the hair yeah. where she is savagely and repeatedly kicked and punched by a number of men um, as she lies helpless on the ground. Um, Another woman then comes along and she's punched uh, and appears to smack her head against the the restaurant steps as she falls. Uh, Apparently, the worst of it all was not captured on surveillance video um, because the initial victim, she managed to escape down a side alley where it is reported the beating continued and yeah. rumours are they're, circulating they're, about what else happened. It, it, it hasn't been confirmed yet what happened to the victims. Um, there's photos online of the main victim being rushed to hospital, heavily bandaged, um, but there's little to nothing since then, since that happened. Um, but there are, there are rumours. Nothing confirmed, um, yeah. but... Lots of rumors and lots of people yeah. who who are saying they do know what happened. Yeah, uh, and some images, disturbing images as well. Of yeah, and there's and there's, that have that, that have surfaced from that alley. And there are there are locals who are uh, putting chrysanthemums and stuff in the alley, which is a, a a sign of respect for loss of life. Yes, yeah. Um, but we don't know. But we don't know. And and you know. People are people are demanding. They're demanding to know what happened. Or of course, yeah, like there's a, a massive, massive backlash uh, online from from netizens, and rightly so. Just just like any concerned citizen would do, you know. Um, nine individuals have been arrested, uh, and it was following a two day manhunt. And let's hope that they're quickly brought to justice. You've seen the meme with the. The archetype of what those guys look like. Yeah, the one warning people to stay away from that type of character. Yeah, right. Let's talk about that for a minute because on the one hand, it's something of a stereotype. Um, you know, nor do we want to generalize, yeah. but 
you and I have been in China long enough to, to know that this type of character exists yeah. in society. Uh, why not bring up a picture now and walk us through this raging beauty of an individual? Yeah. Well, what a beautiful man he is. Right. Well, first off, he's not, he's not beautiful. No way. Um, does he have rage issues in this case? Absolutely. Um, so the meme image is of a big guy, a heavy set guy, um, with gold chains, wearing three quarter length shorts, slippers, um, a shaven head, like a, a very tight haircut, mm-hmm. um, with a man purse and a, a, a t shirt, a black t shirt with uh, eagle's wings and the word boy written across it. Yeah, or if not um, that, some other kind of slogan. Yeah, from some, a, some sort of slogan, yeah. A brand name. Yeah, he's the type of guy that you see it. Two o'clock in the morning with uh, with his t-shirt rolled up over his belly. Yeah, uh, the the Beijing bikini. The Beijing bikini, uh, yeah. and a very heavily tattooed individual as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose in in, in this case it would be like the the Tongshan, uh, the the Tongshan tank top. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, now you do you do see these characters in everyday life in China, and again we we don't want to generalize, as I've said, but. They do tend to fit the mold of a man who is loud and obnoxious, um, likes to show his muscle and his status, yeah. shouts at the bar staff for more drinks and thinks he is king and owns yeah. the space around him, basically. Yeah, not not a very approachable type of person. Um, no way, no way. Um, yeah, Alex, he's someone you wouldn't want to make eye contact with for very mm-hmm. long. And I noticed too in the video that one of the guys outside appeared to threaten a fleeing couple out. Um, they they were walking outside from the restaurant, uh, but you know by by pointing at them, what looked like he was pointing at them in a way that said, you know, don't even think about getting involved. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, they they just minded their own business and left. Um, but what do you think this character's game is, and what makes a gang of them? viciously attack or assault a helpless woman um and what what appears to be now women women three yeah. or four of them yeah um you know they're 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 carrying out this assault like a, like a pack of rottweilers yeah and i wonder is little emperor syndrome i wonder does that come into it um now little emperor syndrome that's the term for the the spoilt only son of a family who who fawn over him and give him everything that he wants which is something else that i i picked up on in the video right so these guys they were eating outside and then your man who started it all off he walked into the restaurant past the women obviously made some kind of remark as he passed by and then he approached his friend and said let's throw these women back there out on the street and fuck them and that was recorded on, on surveillance. Yeah. Now, um, to just be a little bit, to, to kind of explain that to you, what they're saying there, because I thought, I thought to myself, maybe they're pimps or something like that. But th- what they actually meant by saying, let's throw these women out on the street and fuck them, is they meant that they could get away with it. Mm-hmm. They could literally just rape these women in the middle of the street and nobody would do anything as if they knew they could get away with as it as if they knew they could get away isn't, with it this isn't this is not ordinary drunken behavior no 
This is not when the, you like, get carried away. Yeah, exactly. You just lose your senses. This is something else. This like is, this is something far more disturbing. Like we were at a we were at a party last night, and there was loads of drunken behaviour. Not one rape. No, <laughs> like it's not just not what you think of doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but so they said that let's let's throw these women out on the street and fuck them, and that's that's an example of little emperor syndrome right there. That he thinks that he can have anything that he wants. Yeah, it's the ultimate form of entitlement. Um, yeah. And it's a good point. And, and of course, it's very Chinese specific. Yeah. Um, or in my experience, it's very Chinese specific. Um, you know, so maybe there there was a, a touch of that in addition to just a, a violent display of, of toxic masculinity. Yeah. Well, Little Emperor Syndrome is toxic too. Um but I suppose it can always be likened to the idea of boys will be boys, which is a saying that I'm sure most people have heard of. Yeah, which is dangerous in itself. Yeah, it is. Um, because it gives boys an excuse to behave badly from an early age. And the longer the bad behavior is tolerated, the more dangerous it can become as the boy grows up. And especially if he finds himself surrounded by a group of males who behave the same way. And that's what we had here. And it really looks like it. Um, there's also the big shot mentality. I think in this guy's case, or in these guys' cases, um, he or they owned a couple of businesses in the city or had some connections somewhere with somebody and, yeah, yeah. thought they could get away with it, you know? Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd love to talk more about Little Emperor Syndrome another time, but... It is interesting that you you say that this one individual or maybe all of them had some kind of links um, because it wasn't until after the public outcry on social media following the release of the CCTV footage that the police acted and stepped up their pursuit of of these nine people. Yeah, and that didn't go that didn't go unnoticed either. Um, yeah, I mean, somebody said quicker quicker to catch a, a positive case of COVID than one of these criminals. Yeah, um, they, it took him a while to turn up. It took him a while to turn up. A couple of uh, days. To no, catch no, 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 to actually for, turn up at the, the police, restaurant. For the it, police, it, it yeah. took him a couple of hours to get to the restaurant, mm. which is... Insane, think, considering there's so many police stations yeah. around China. And, one and, in every community. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a, there's probably a police station around the corner. You're within walking distance Within walking of distance, you know. Anywhere in probably China. Probably 30 in seconds. In a Chinese city. Probably 30 seconds run. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, anyway. Um, one other thing that was highlighted in the video was the hesitancy or the lack of mm. response from the other customers and management to intervene. Many people say of New York City that you can trip and fall on the street and the other pedestrians will just step over you and carry on without batting an eyelid. And this lack of wanting to help or wanting to get involved in the affairs or troubles of others, it's, it's a nationwide phenomenon in China. Um, and for me, there's one sole reason for this. Money. That's to say, not wanting to throw your hat in the ring in the event that you might end up financially liable. Yeah, sad, but true. And it's not that those onlookers don't want to get involved. You know, in their hearts, I'm sure yeah. they do. Oh, yeah. Rather, it's, it's the fear of responsibility should something happen while you, the innocent bystander, 
um, are, are standing in the frame. Yeah. And that might then spark a blame game in which you find yourself heavily out of pocket for something that wasn't your fault. Yeah, yeah, For something yeah, yeah. that you did not start. Yeah. There was a, there was, yeah, going back to what you said, there was a, in the video I noticed a girl, she tried to run back into the thing and her boyfriend was just, no, 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 you can't, you can't, you can't. Yeah, and eventually stopped her. Stopped her uh-huh. and, and got her to run away. Mm-hmm. Probably just as well. Like, in the, like, because of what happened, because of the number of people involved in the attack, yeah. probably just as well. Mm-hmm. But they were eager to get involved. The rest of them just weren't, yeah. you know? Um, and there is the financial aspect, and that's why people shy away. You know, that they know that what they're seeing is wrong, but they also know that if they were to step in and break up the fight, it might actually cost them financially. Yeah, no more heroes anymore. Yeah. But credit where credit is due on this occasion, you know, quite a few women did actually try to take on the gang. As you said, one of them tried to intervene, but the boyfriend, her boyfriend pulled her back, her husband, um, yeah. you know, and un- unfortunately they they were targeted for, for doing so. And we, we, we don't know of their fate either. Mm. Um, but at the same time, there were a lot of men in that restaurant uh, who just sat idly by and, and watched, you know, prompting the online commentary girls look after girls yeah those were the kind of men who thought it better to protect their own interests yes and that's worrying and that's the world we live in yeah in in terms of safety this video has sparked debate in certain circles about how safe china actually is and especially for women who've perhaps had to rethink how safe china is for them and as two men, us with a different experience, you know, yeah. it's it's not really our place to say how safe China is for women. Yeah. Um, we do hear of cases of domestic violence, widespread misogyny, um, in particular the workplace. Yeah, yeah. Misog- misogyny happens as early as the job interview when women are asked their marital status and if they plan on getting married or having children in the future, you know, Questions which are illegal in a job interview in the West. Yeah, it happens all the time. Um, On the one hand, yes, we both agree that a discussion is needed in China and action required as well uh, about the country's attitude towards women. But on the other hand, China is a progressively safe society. Uh, I say progressively because I haven't been to any other country where I felt as safe as I do here. And I think that's important to say. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with it being a heavily police state. And there are pros and cons that go with that. But you seldom see acts of aggression in public or theft or any of that. Yeah. Like where, where else could you leave your personal belongings unattended for an hour? Um, like in a Starbucks, let's say, um, and return again to find them still there, untouched, where you left them. Yeah, or leave your bicycle unchained on the street while you go to work and expect it to still be there at the end of the day. Mm. And never, never ever have I been warned against going into an area of a city um, because it was a rough neighbourhood. Yeah, there's there are no ghettos here. Um, and the last thing we should perhaps mention about the whole sordid affair because it ties in nicely with our topic today, is that of performative governance. 
Since the nine culprits were arrested, there is now a greater police presence on the streets of Tangshan, and in particular outside barbecue restaurants in the city, where armed policemen can be seen standing by diners as the chief of police shouts through a megaphone to remind people to behave or else face the consequences. Then you have others standing guard by tables occupied by women um, and they have riot shields in their hands and it's it's all very bizarre. Yeah, um, and performative like you say, but it doesn't tackle the root of the problem. Yeah. Um, barbecue restaurants are not dangerous. They're not the problem. It's it's unsettling too for anyone sitting there eating their their lamb skewers or whatever. Um, but yeah, this is actually occurring right now in Tongshan, and it's part of a wider crackdown on crime in the city. Yeah, and this performative response is so typical of Chinese governance. People are angry, so local authorities are issued with orders to show that they're actively doing something about it. You'd be right in saying, well, if there was so much crime about that you felt you know, the need to establish uh, a team to enforce law and order again, then why, didn't you, why did you wait until after yeah. the event? That's a fair question too. Um, the city's residents, they're hoping that the campaign isn't theatre and that something actually gets done because there has been speculation that there's a fair deal of corruption going on in Tangshan. Um, now, it's speculation, um, and there's a lot of it. It's not our words. It's not, not us saying it. We're just... Yeah, there's, a, there's an awful lot of it on Weibo. Yeah. If you yeah. check out Weibo, if you're on it. Um, yeah. And that's all filtering through into Western media as well. Yeah. Um, and if true, um, it's relatable to what we spoke about last time. Uh, like that structure of governance in China and ensuring that local government are adhering to party policy and providing a proper code of ethics in how they serve the people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So, right, let's move away from Tangshan and let's talk about the theatrical deployment of governance in China. Yeah, it's something that I picked up on as I was looking at the footage uh, coming out of Shanghai during and even after lockdown for that matter, um, the thing that struck me most was how overly performative the da boys or the big whites were acting. Um, Like, you might remember us describing the legion of big whites marching into a compound in Shanghai like stormtroopers out of Star Wars. Um, Now, that there is the theatre of governance. These guys are given their orders bright and early one morning by their superiors and they're told to go in and disinfect the shit out of every nook and cranny of that compound, regardless of how effective it may or may not be. Why? Well, because they need to show the people that they are doing something, that they are waging war on COVID in the name of the people. But what they don't realise is that the people aren't idiots. And they're beginning to cop on to the fact that all this is just one big, infinite tour de force. And that's becoming more evident. It's becoming more evident the more people speak up. Two years ago, during the original lockdown in China, quarantine operations were undertaken swiftly and without much fuss. 
But now it seems as if these routine actions, they've morphed into a kind of spectacle that borders along the lines of ridiculousness. Yeah, much of it is completely farcical. Right, so we'll start with Shanghai. Now, I know we've spoken at length about Shanghai lockdown in the in the previous episodes, so we won't dwell on it f- for too long, but it's a good place to start all the same because it's there that the theatrics of now are happening. So, Eric, any idea what is in the little blue bottles? Does anybody know? It's a mystery. Right. We're talking about here the little blue bottles of mystery disinfectant that you see big whites spraying all over Shanghai. There have been videos of the boys in the white suits cycling along deserted streets, spritzing left and right, standing outside pop-up COVID test places, performing a little twirl and a spray before ushering in the next person in, in the line or up on the podium spraying down flagpoles in the rain. Yeah, it looks like a wind-up um, yeah. or like something from a, a comedy sketch show. But it's all real. Um, and what's in these bottles, you know, might kill you sooner than COVID. Well, especially for anyone who's been unlucky enough to have been doused head to toe in the stuff or for anyone that has to live or work in a space that has been drenched in bleach. Yeah, like it's purely chemicals that are being used, of course, and... You know, that's not good to be to be breathing in. Yeah. And it can't be good for the guys that are doing the spraying either. Especially not them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they've been exposed to that filth all day. And those blasters, they're the worst. When they go into the infected person's home after they've been taken to quarantine and cover every square inch in bleach. Yeah, imagine how many days it would take to clean that crap. Yeah. And we need to ask, does this haze of disinfectant work? And the short answer is no. Experts say that it's a futile measure because transmission of COVID through contaminated surfaces and objects, despite being possible, is comparatively rare. Spraying disinfectant was originally lauded by a top Shanghai official earlier in the lockdown as a key part of a grand assault on the virus although other authorities actually came out later and admitted that it was largely ineffective. But yet they keep on spritzing. Yeah, the site has become one of the most visual expressions of China's zero COVID policy and is representative of the theatre of war. This disinfection drive is showcased as a, a visual gesture of good governance. It attempts to reassure the populace while at the same time pleasing the powers that be in a sense it conjures up the image of in this case the heroic fight of one's nation against the invisible enemy yeah an actor of resistance yeah in a way um and in terms of the social contract it's essentially a power play yeah although it feels like it's becoming more an issue of politics trying to outdo the science yeah um you know especially considering that from everything we've seen achieving forever zero covid is impossible yeah and the people the people are beginning to see through it absolutely are yeah yeah so just on a on a side note while i think of it um i reckon there's an argument to be made about how eileen gu was portrayed politically by china during the winter olympics and thereafter her image 
used to sell everything under the sun in many ways that was performative yeah although that could be seen as a, a positive thing though no yeah. i mean a like an easing of of tensions between two countries and all that yeah well in the sense of being seen as a, a good role model certainly but it was it was amazing to see how many people flocked to support her during the olympics when previously she was virtually a nobody mm-hmm. yeah. um declaring for china having lived your entire life in the states is a big deal in today's world of modern superpowers she was loved and adored and took to the hearts of people straight away but you'd wonder how much of that was actually genuine because I look at what's happened since and I question the legitimacy of her of her fame over here. Yeah, true, because one day she's been honoured at a ceremony by the, the president. Yeah. And then the next, well, maybe not exactly the next day, uh, suddenly waves goodbye to China on the eve of a, a COVID outbreak in Beijing where she was staying. Yeah, which drew a fair amount of critics online in China, it must be said. Um now, she is serving as an ambassador for a U.S. Winter Olympics hosting bid in Salt Lake City in 2030 or 2034. Yeah, but, you know, that's not to say that she's going to switch allegiance. No, it's all in the spirit of globalization, or so she says. Yeah, can you represent two different countries at, like, separate Olympic Games? That's that's a good question. Um We'll be right back with the answer after a quick ad break from our sponsor. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by Weibo. Weibo, bringing the news to China. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, I don't know. Good one. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, Eileen Gu um, was almost symbolic, you know, much in the same way as the Da Boys and their little blue bottles of chemicals yeah, yeah, yeah. are symbols uh, deployed theatrically by governors. Um, so, you know, let's move on now to the everyday. Uh, COVID aside, China is a hotbed of daily performative routines um, that you're unlikely to see anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Now, this is the bane of being employed in real estate or hairstyling, and they're just two examples. And it can even stretch as far as jewellery or large restaurants. Any facet of work that employs a reasonably large team of workers. It's a performative exercise that sees the entire fleet of staff line up outside their company premises bright and early in the morning and they get lectured by either their team leader or their boss for everybody in the city to see. Yeah, picture the scene here for a second. It's a real estate agent and all the guys and the gals, they're dressed smartly on a Monday morning and they're lined up military style on the pavement facing their place of work as people are walking by, um, you know, while their boss is staring at them, talking at length. What's he or she talking about? Usually sales targets. Um you know, we've all got to work our socks off even more than we already do uh, to make this company more profitable. And you'd never know, there might be a little bonus in it for you at the end of the year. Yeah, emphasis on the word might, um, but not a raise in salary. That'd be that'd be too much. Yeah, you wouldn't even dare asking for it. Yeah. 
And this kind of public performance often has an entertainment value for, you, for the people watching in the form of, of dancing. You know, out comes the beatbox, the music is on and take it away, lads. And then what you see is, let's say, 20 white collared workers moving to a choreographed dance routine before heading back to the office. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a sight to behold. Um, and we're seeing more and more of it all the time. Well, it emerged alongside a boom in wealth. You know, businesses, they were finding ways to attract increasingly more new customers, um, new customers with money in their pockets. Yeah, clowns on stilts is a new one I'm seeing ever more frequently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's something for the kids in the in the hope that the parents might actually sign up to the to the mailing list or whatever. Um, but if you remember, it wasn't all that long ago that training schools in China were really taking advantage of their foreign teachers by pushing them into what was called white monkey roles. Yeah, and. That was basically a tool of advertising to promote the school in a way that was, I suspect, um, embarrassing for the teacher. Uh, because I'm sure like, this is not what they originally signed up for when oh, they came to China. Of course not. It was, it was likely disguised in their contract um, rather vaguely as something else. Um, now, as a result of the double reduction policy last summer, which heavily impacted the training centres, the curriculums they were allowed to teach and the hours uh, they were allowed to hold lessons, a number of big education companies went under. Yeah, uh, One of them that managed to stay afloat, albeit in a limited role, was New Oriental. Now, they had to adapt. So what are they now doing? They are teaching English through the medium of TV on shopping channels. Yes, they are. They've actually found a way to continue their trade, but in a different capacity. And now well-educated teachers find themselves as faces on TV. And they teach bits of English here and there while selling a personal-sized whiteboard or whatever it is. I'm, I'm not sure that's what they've signed up for, um, but again, it's theatrical. Yeah, um, and I originally thought when I, when I heard the story that they were selling you know, school-related items. Yeah. No, but they're, they're selling they're selling everything under the sun from food to yeah, whatever, yeah. like kitchen utensils. Lipstick. Lipstick. Yeah. You know, lipstick one? for men. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there was, there was a, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking of Mr. Lipstick. Mm. Do you know Mr. Lipstick? He was a, he, he's, he's very famous at, at, on the TV and the, the selling things. And uh, he's called Mr. Lipstick because he sells lipstick and he's a man and he puts lipstick on and sells it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and like, we don't mean to poke fun at anyone who's who actually has to put up with, you know, with this this kind of thing as as part of their job. Because from a personal point of view, I think the whole concept is incredibly demeaning, uh, humiliating, soul destroying. You know, you you pick a word for it. Uh, I've walked past noodle restaurants yeah. where the waiters they're lined up outside. And they're reciting uh, Huang Ying Gualing, Huang Ying Gualing, Huang Ying Gualing, uh, which means, you know, welcome, yeah, welcome yeah. in to our restaurant. Um, that just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. Um, but I often wonder, do local workers consider it something normal? Um, you know, we, like we have an entirely different concept as, as Westerners of, 
of what workplace duties and expectancies should look like. Uh, but of course, in other parts of the world, maybe, you know, that culture can differ. Yeah, well, if that culture is the culture of ego, which is a fair argument to make, because the boss or the Lauban in, in Mandarin is somebody to be revered. Their word is gospel and the scope of their expectancy shouldn't be questioned. Yeah, and that's when they start power tripping yeah. due to a lack of obstacles, I suppose. Yeah, yeah speaking of a power tripping and uh, little emperor syndrome, there's also a little empress syndrome, you know, kind of a, a throwback to the to the only child policy it doesn't really matter whether it's a, a a man or a woman really have you seen the video that was out um a week or two ago which was the woman with the bentleys in the car park i did yeah yeah so she was she was thrown a tantrum oh she was yeah she, and and the tantrums thrown here, shapes as we would say yeah, in ireland yeah the tantrums here can be can be quite the the the, the thing to behold <laughs> they sure can yeah. um, but uh, she was in the oscar was, worthy oscar worthy yes the, the performative to the Mer- very meryl street would have been proud exactly, of this one exactly exactly so she's in this um parking garage and she's the wife of a, a ceo of some company and she has an entire fleet of bentleys um that she wants to park yeah right she wants to park and she doesn't have anywhere to park them so she's just going to take wherever the hell she wants mm-hmm. um and now remember by the way that in china uh if you are a house owner um in an apartment building there's there's going to be a car park underneath yeah and if you're a house owner and you've got the money you pay for a parking spot and you, the parking spot is yours yeah you you buy that and then you yeah. you'll probably have to pay a security guard like 50 yuan a month just to to keep the lights on and keep the doors working. Yeah. So if know. anybody comes and parks in your spot, then they are they shouldn't be. They shouldn't They've be. Got to, they got to move that car. Got to move the car. And so this woman needs a place to park her fleet of Bentleys, and she decides that she's going to take other people's parking spaces. Yeah. Um. And of course, this doesn't go down too well by the guys who who actually own the parking spaces. And at this point, she starts getting loud she starts getting loud and the and the security guard comes down and starts talking to her and she does the whole oh do you know who i am blah 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 mm-hmm. like we i've got all these bentleys i've got all the money i've got all the power and i'm going to park these bentleys right here and um she that sort of that sort of uh, performative aspect of it but it gets even it gets even weirder because somebody on her side also is there in the vicinity and at at one point somebody puts a hand on this guy's shoulder like just like a friend like just putting a, a hand on a shoulder like a friend yeah he immediately drops to the ground and starts rolling around on the ground like like Ronaldinho, mm-hmm. like, like like he's just being shot. Yeah, like a, like a Brazilian soccer player. He's rolling around on the ground, and then somebody Neymar's the man you're thinking. Neymar, of. that's the one I'm thinking of. And then somebody taps the woman on the shoulder. Yeah, she's down. She's down for the couch. She's rolling around on the ground, going looking for compensation from whoever it was that that you know tapped her mm-hmm. um, to get her attention. Yeah, and she starts screaming, "Pay ten, pay ten, give me the money." 
you know, she wants money for being, you know, tapped on the shoulder while trying to park a fleet of cars illegally. Right? So what you've got here is you've got a woman who puts on who knows understands the performative theatrics yeah right but she also she, un- she knows what she's doing yeah yeah she's putting on an act she's putting on an act purposely so we've got the the three things that we've spoke about today yeah she's putting on an act right now somebody touched her so she's rolling around on the ground looking for money mm-hmm. because if she's injured and somebody touched her that person is financially liable yeah right indeed and then you have the fact that she thought that she was she was even able to do this in the first place and that's the little emperor syndrome right there and you know we have the we have the the her because her husband is a is a is a boss she thinks she can do anything you know i don't know what you saw what it's incredible you? yeah i mean there and there's so many like her yeah who just they 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 come from a very wealthy background and they are so entitled. Yeah, they think absolutely. they are so entitled. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and that they can walk over the the, the common person. Yeah, it, it, they need to learn a bit of respect. If you ask me, to be perfectly honest, definitely yeah, a bit of human decency of human more decency. than anything else. Right. Well, before we start getting into mudslinging and all that, um, we will leave it there for this week. Um, thank you for listening. Um, there will be a shitload of great episodes coming your way this summer, um, including guaranteed interviews. Yes, finally, because you know we will have the time to do yeah. them. And I do want to hit the road as well, though. Um, I have not left Chongqing for three years. Yeah, like it's easy to to kind of get you know sucked into a bubble. I have an idea of what I want to do this summer, and I don't know how how likely it is. I want to I want to get it. I want to climb a coconut tree and pick a coconut. I want to do that. I don't know what. So I you can. have to go south. I have to go south somewhere, yeah. And find a coconut tree. I can't ever remember seeing a coconut tree. Sanya, possibly. Well, well, never seen. Never. I, can't, seen I don't think one. I've ever seen one. I've never seen a coconut in a tree. Okay. I know that for a fact. I've never seen a coconut in a tree. Bring a like a little yeah. tool or something so you can open it up. You yeah, know? exactly. Get yeah. The, the whole experience. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Get but your value from yeah for money. But it is it's a bit of laziness that's kept me here for a while, and um, you know the COVID doesn't make it any easier. You know. Nope, nope. Uh, it's relentless. Uh, all right, we'll leave you be. Um, take care of yourselves, and we'll talk to you soon. Toodles. 你要熊哥就吃馒头亏